0: Hello, hello, Leadcast listeners, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of The Leadcast. My name is Anne Marie, and I am your host for this episode. And today we have five amazing segments that students have created just waiting for you to listen to. Boom! Rhymed it. Our first segment that we have today is Music Reactions by Cole.
1: Hello, I am Cole Marshall, and I am here with Mad Mad Hilmer. She is a student here at Lead Innovation Studios, and we are going to be talking about music and listening to a song. So, Mad, what's your favorite genre?
2: Alternative rock.
1: All right, alternative rock. So, do you have a favorite artist from like alternative rock? Starset. (laughs) Starset, let's go. Okay. So, do you have a favorite song by them? Or a song that, like, resonates with you a lot? I liked
2: corner.
1: Carnivore. What about Carnivore do you like a lot?
2: I don't know. I really liked the lyrics.
1: The lyrics? Do you know a specific line or like a certain lyric that really sticks with you? Not or is it just the music. not without the music?
2: I don't memorize nothing.
1: So you say that the lyrics are what you like the most about it, right? Yeah. So Carnivore is more of a rock sounding song. Yeah. So you're more into the heavier music, right? Correct. As opposed to, like, slower emotional stuff.
2: Yeah, I like to be able to jam out and forget about emotions.
1: Okay. So, I have a song idea. It's by Citizen Soldier. It's Weight of the World. It is very emotional. And sad song. Okay, so is that good with you?
2: Yes, sounds good.
1: Alright, so, play. So, I'm gonna set it right here. But I'm gonna play it and just listen and watch the lyrics. Pause it here after the first verse in the chorus. So just from that, what are your thoughts on it?
2: The first part of it sounded like a church song.
1: So the first part sounded like a church song.
2: It had a very similar music background, like
1: a church song. Instrumental? Yeah, Okay. that's a word. In terms of vocals, what are your thoughts?
2: I liked them. They were very deep. They kind of left you up to interpretation of what you wanted to think about it.
1: So those are lyrics. Yeah. The vocals are what the voice sounds like.
2: Um, yeah, I definitely know that. (laughs) He sounded very calm.
1: Sounded calm?
2: quiet compared to what I normally listen to.
1: Ah, okay. So very calm, very quiet. You said the lyrics were open to interpretation and emotion, right? Yeah. Alright, so we're gonna continue now.
2: He seems like he's depressed.
1: It seems like he's <laughs> depressed. Just a little bit.
2: Just a little.
1: The lead singer of this band is actually a licensed therapist, so...
2: He's not a very good therapist.
1: Therapists can have their own issues.
2: True. It's just interesting. I wonder if any of his kid, like, therapist people heard this song. All.
1: Alright, so that's the whole song. What are your overall first impressions on the song.
2: I liked him as an artist, even though his lyrics were more mellow than I'm used to.
1: So you liked the sound of it, despite it being a lot different to what you're used to? Yeah. Was there anything in particular that stuck out to you, whether that be instrumentally in his voice, like how it sounded, or lyrics?
2: He kept repeating the weight of the world, how he felt like everything kind of pressured him
1: That's how choruses work. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so you noticed the repetition in the lyrics of what they were saying. Yeah. Was there anything you didn't like about the song?
2: It was super slow.
1: (laughs) Yes, the one thing you don't like is the fact that it's different. It made you think that's what you didn't like. Okay.
2: Yeah. Made me sad for him. And just sad.
1: So it invoked that sort of sadness in you. Yeah. So it made you feel something.
2: Yes. (laughs) I don't like feeling things.
1: So it made you feel sad. It made you sort of feel. Did it make you feel the pressure? Did it make you feel what he was talking about?
2: Yeah, it made me kind of understand that. He... So, like,
1: sympathy is yeah. how you describe it, yeah.
2: Feelings they don't normally have.
1: So the lyrics sort of invoked that sort of sympathy in you that you're not used to.
2: Yeah. So it's just interesting.
1: That's interesting. It's interesting. So, overall, would you say you would listen to that song again, or is it a no-go for you?
2: I'd probably listen to it when I'm, like, trying to calm down, getting ready to end the day, mm-hmm. instead of listening to my very loud music to put me to sleep.
1: Instead of listening to Choke by I Prevail. Yeah,
2: <laughs> check them out. They're pretty cool, though.
1: Oh, my goodness. Not <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> Not at all sponsored or supported. Alright, so that's going to be it
0: Thank you Cole for that amazing segment Music can be very thought-provoking when you ask the right questions But you know what else can be thought-provoking? Trivia Which brings us to our next segment Guess That Teacher with Grace Price
3: Welcome to Guess That Teacher. I'm Grace, and today I will be talking about which teacher witnessed the creation of the Ripple Glass Recycling Company. You know, the big purple recycling bins all around Kansas City. Was this Mrs. Wilkerson, Mr. Blanton, Mrs. Meyer, or Mr. Abundus? Got your guess? Well, the answer is Mrs. Meyer. Let's go hear more about her story. Mrs. Meyer, welcome to Guess That Teacher. So most students don't know that you witnessed the creation of verbal glass. So
4: how are you involved? At the time, I worked for an organization called Bridging the Gap, and part of my job there was to work with businesses to identify ways that they could become more sustainable. I had worked with Boulevard Brewing Company and Owens Corning through a two-year project from an EPA grant. And they had very similar goals. Owens Corning was looking to find a cheaper source of glass that they could use in fiberglass manufacturing. And Boulevard Brewing Company was looking for ways to be more responsible with the glass that they were creating. At the time, we didn't have any glass recycling in Kansas City, and so they wanted to be part of finding a way to economically recycle glass. At the time we realized that those two actually fit together really nicely, so that if Boulevard was wanting to recycle glass and Owens Corning was wanting to have a source of recycled glass, we could try to connect those two, and that was where just the very early ideas of where Ripple came from. I wasn't there at the time that the company started, I actually moved to Orlando before that. But I got to see some of those early thoughts of both sides, seeing how they could possibly work together to solve a common problem. So do you know how long Ripple Glass
3: was in the works for?
4: I don't, to be honest. Um, Like I said, I had to move to Florida right about the time that uh, those next steps were being made. Um, But in the early stages, we were just looking at how we could better bring recycling to Kansas City. And we realized there wasn't really a company that was able to do that, so the best solution would be to form a company that could provide that middle ground and that's where Ripple came in. Is Ripple Glass just in Kansas City? It is. Um, I mean they're they're based in Kansas City but they have expanded into markets around Kansas City um, to provide services as well. And are you still in contact with the founders of Ripple Glass? It's been a long time, so not very close unless you consider Facebook friends. (laughs) Um, But I did move away for quite a while, um, and that made it a little hard to stay in touch. However, I still consider um, some of those folks that previously worked there to be good friends and colleagues, and um, I'm super excited to see how successful the program was and the business was that they made. Great. And do you think you would
3: ever be interested in either starting or being involved with a company like this again?
4: Well, I don't know that I have the risk-taking tendencies to want to start a new company myself. Um, But it is always great when you can find a solution to a problem that benefits Companies both in a financial and an environmental way. So that's absolutely something that I would be interested in. Just maybe not being the person that would start a business myself.
3: And then finally, do you think that LEAD sets up students to go on to do something like this, like creating a company?
4: Absolutely. I think the way that LEED's focus is to have authentic projects and to have a real focus on design thinking and problem solving. Provides students with some of those skills to help do something like create a business or solve a challenging problem. So I absolutely think that that's an awesome part of Lee.
3: Great. That's all that I have for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Mrs. Meyer's story is a great example of how a small idea can grow into something as big as a company. Thanks for listening to this week's Guess That Teacher. Stay tuned for the next segment to find out something you didn't know about one of the teachers in our very own school. See you next time on Guess That Teacher.
0: What an interesting section by Grace Price. I certainly didn't know that one of our teachers here at this very school witnessed such an amazing thing. However, there are people at our school who have witnessed things that no one wants to see. And that's going to be talked about in this next segment, Ghostly Gossip.
2: Welcome to the Ghostly Gossip. Thank you for joining in today. I'm one of the hosts, Gracie. Hi, Gracie. I am your co-host, Tyrion, and today we have a very special guest, Clara Brackett, who is a junior here at LEAD.
0: Today, they're going to be sharing a story that took place in their own home.
2: Okay, let's get right into it. Tell us about it. What happened? and that was kind of
5: supernatural. Okay, so my house was built in 1966, so it's pretty old. So I've been experiencing a lot of things, actually, in my house. And this one was really weird because I'm not the only one that noticed it. So, this started happening recently when I was going to sleep. Every night, I'd wake up around 3 a.m., and one night, I heard this ringing like a phone noise. Then I woke up, and I saw this small shadow in the corner of my room. Kind of looked like a small boy, 10 to 11 years old. I named him Jeremy. Before I (laughs) see him, I hear a phone ring. The next few nights, I've been seeing more and more of him until about two weeks ago, I woke up, and he wasn't in the corner of my room. Like, It wasn't, like, a person. It was more of, like, a shadow type thing. Absolutely not. It was, like, invisible. Like, you could see right through it, but, like... Oh, my goodness. It was blurry. And so I would put the cover over my head because of, like, movies and stuff that I've heard that if you put the cover your head, they'll go away and stuff like that. So this all started, like, because I would hear phone noise, and then I'd, like, look in the corner of my room who's there. And so whenever I was at school... It was after school. I was at Park Hill doing, I think it was either a music theater type thing, but I wasn't at home. And so my mom heard the ringing, uh, and my mom and my grandma were there at my house, and they heard the ringing, and they tried calling me, and they kept hearing the ringing noise, so they're like, oh, Clara's home. And I actually have a voicemail. I might play it in a little bit. But they're like, I hear the phone ringing, but Clara just texted us that she's at school and it was just really scary because when I got home they were like were you upstairs and I was like no and they were like we kept hearing someone walking upstairs in your room because my brother's at college but my little brother sleeps downstairs so he would never go up there and so they heard someone walking in my room and they kept hearing the same phone noise so. absolutely not oh my burn goodness. the house move <laughs> get away uh, oh
0: okay so I have to know while you were there um, I know you mentioned that there were other people in this story that had witnessed it, but in the times that you were alone, like, what were you feeling? Like, physically, emotionally, mentally, like, did you feel,
5: like, just unsafe? Um, I felt a little scared, cause, imagine just waking up in the middle of the night and seeing something just there in your room. Yeah. Um, I was scared and I still get chills sometimes when I think about it because I can like picture him and- but I haven't been seeing him recently. It was only like- I think it was last year when I saw him. Oh, okay. So, I haven't been seeing him recently.
0: Did you feel any sort of evil
2: presence there? Did you feel his presence with you, like across the bed?
5: Um, yeah. Well, I, looked, I opened my eyes and he was there, so I could tell that something was there. But I didn't kind of feel him, like, moving or anything. But I could, it was just there. Ooh, that's that's very freaky. Do you want to play that voicemail? That voicemail would be very interesting to hear. I'm going to have to find it. Ooh, okay. She needs it for cabbies today. I know, we hear
2: that phone all the time. It makes us crazy.
5: I know, it's weird. That's so weird, and it's the fact that... Oh my god.
2: So, Clara, we really enjoyed having you today. You were an absolute blast to have your stories. Chills. Absolute chills. We loved having you today, and
6: we hope we can see you again. whoa
0: those were some creepy stories clara thank you so much for that segment guys but i think after that one i need a break from the spooks so how about we go to atd with alex
7: Good afternoon, listeners of the Leadcast podcast. Uh, My name is Alex Headley, and today I'm going to talk about my segment, and hopefully future segments, that'll be on the Leadcast. Addition to Traditions, or ATD for short, as I'm going to call it. In this segment, I will be talking and focusing on traditions and the basics of traditions, and the basic understanding of what people and me think about them. So, anyways, hope you are all enjoying the lead podcast, and let's get right into it. Additions to traditions. So, let's start with the word tradition. Uh, It means the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation, or the fact of being passed on this way. And I got that from just a basic search, so thinking about that, it's basically what you believe and what you know passed on through generation through generation. Like, um, a good example would be hanging up a Christmas tree during December, and if you think about it, that means people before you, before your generation, have also done that, and now you do it to this day. And that's one of the coolest things I like about traditions, is just the fact that Some people did it before, and then you are just able to pass it on, and sometimes even change it. That's very cool. And a second example would be Thanksgiving, having a nice Thanksgiving dinner, like a turkey and all that, and ham sometimes, if you want. And these are mostly summarized as seasonal traditions, or I have to summarize them as seasonal or monthly traditions, things that only happen on certain months, or things that are seasonal. And I was researching, and I found the Journal of Folklore Research, and that's an international research forum, that explains cultures and traditions. So I looked over most of the forum, some of the forum, and found some interesting notes and theories that they have made. And according to them, they have a really nice way to narrow down traditions into three ways. Daily connections, weekly traditions, and life-changing traditions. Now, it's a basic rundown of each. The daily connections are traditions such as like eating a certain food or saying something at dinner. And that can be a good tradition, believe it or not. It's just the simple daily stuff in life. Not too big, just simple stuff that was passed down that now that you now do from your previous generation. Yeah, and they're more evolved with uh, simple to non-too-complex things at all. Next up would be the weekly The weekly traditions are very cool because they're things you would do in around a week, sometimes even towards like a single month if you want to extend it that much, like eating out a certain day. That could be an easy tradition for you. Or doing something on a certain day of the week. That's another really simple one. They involve a little little more planning, but not too much, just a bit. And then finally, our life-changing traditions. These are mostly related with... Things that have changed your life, or something that you feel really accomplished about, so you have a celebration or something to do after that. Like, if there was a life-changing moment, or something like that, like finishing a really important test, or buying a house, you could probably have a tradition related to celebrating that, or just a tradition of that itself, itself. It's really cool. And those were the three that they most really talked about. And that one, the final one, is mostly just a little more complex than the previous one, than the weekly, but it's still pretty simple to do because it comes naturally. And that's also another thing about traditions I really like. A lot of them can seem to come naturally or just to you. It's really nice. And then finally, the last couple things I wanted to talk about were tradition categories. And these would be um stuff like food that could be a category for traditions like what type of food do you eat on december on christmas or in halloween you talk about that you'd also go into some other ones like fashion traditions what you would wear for certain things music traditions and cultural traditions which can kind of fall above all the others and yeah before i end this segment. It's a little short, but I have to. (laughs) It's just the start of the segment. I want to talk about some other brief things, or summarize it. Summarize it. It's pretty much traditions are interesting and vary between families, people, and culture. There are many types of traditions and categories, and they can be almost anything. Like, they feel like they can almost be anything. But... If you want to learn more about that, you're going to have to wait till next time on the next Additions to Traditions. I'm your host, Alex Headley. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Alex, for that very informative segment. That got me thinking a lot about my family traditions, and I hope it got you thinking about yours, too. This segment leads us to our final segment, Young Life, with Sophie H. Uh,
8: My name is Tom Meyer. I'm a teacher here at LEAD and a sponsor and leader for Young Life.
6: So first I had Tom tell us about what Young Life is, how he even heard about it in the first place, and how it affected his life.
8: So Young Life is, uh, it's not technically a club, but it is an organization that focuses on reaching out to uh, middle school, high school, and even college age students and giving them an opportunity to um, get to have fun and be kids, but also learn about the Christian faith, learn about God, learn about who Jesus is. Uh, and find uh, hopefully find peace and balance in their lives through um, experiencing that. Yeah, so I first heard about Young Life when I was a freshman in high school at Oak Park High School back in the 90s. (laughs) And so I started attending meetings and gatherings then and just kept going throughout high school. And then when I went to Mizzou, I went through like a leader training type program so I could become a leader and have the same type of impact on other students that my leaders had on me. And so I led throughout college and then kind of took a break once I started teaching. But then when I came back here to Kansas City uh, 10 years ago now at this point, a few years into teaching here, I decided I wanted to get back into it because I knew they had young life at Park Hill uh, and thought that I could make an impact as a teacher at Park Hill High School leading at the same time. So I've been leading here in Park Hill now for, I think about eight years. I so I grew up uh, in a really like loving family like we we did like church stuff all the time. like it was kind of like just part of what my family did. But I feel like I didn't really understand my faith until I started going to young life, because I feel like the leaders did such a great job of like putting some of those big, like, sometimes overwhelming theological things and they really like boil them down into language that's really understandable and relatable and so I feel like it helped me find my faith in following God and I feel like that has helped bring me balance in my life and helped bring me peace and helped me learn how to cope when hard things happen it's been with me through my faith has been with me through um, losing parents and grandparents through marriage and having kids, and it's been this kind of constant in my life, and I've been really thankful that that has been there, that I've had that all along.
6: Next, I had Tom give us a little bit more about what fall and summer trips are like, what kind of camps he has even been to, and a favorite memory of these camps
8: yeah so we would i mean i just, i loved having going to club which was just our normal weekly meetings that we where we would gather um and do all kinds of fun and crazy things but also hear like a cool message about god or jesus but then we would take these fall trips that we called non-stop trips where we would like ride a bus overnight to a city somewhere like dallas or minneapolis or something do all kinds of things all day saturday and into saturday night And then take the bus back which as an adult now i see is completely exhausting (laughs) but um, as a kid it was a blast but then we would also do summer camp trips where we take a week-long trip to a young life property which it's not like a camp in the sense that like like you're in a tent or anything they're like almost like resort type properties with pretty nice accommodations and tons of activities and so Uh, My my favorite camp experience is probably my first one where I went to a camp up in Minnesota called Castaway and got to, I mean, we would have Young Life Club every day. We'd eat meals together as a cabin around a table. We got to do water skiing and tubing and they have a rock climbing wall and just all these cool activities. Really just got to spend a week like hanging out with my friends with in an environment that was just like pretty carefree, honestly. Like I didn't have to work. I didn't have responsibilities. I just got to like be for a week and it was super cool. And so we continue to take those trips here as uh, young life in Park Hill, uh, to camps around the Midwest and Minnesota, Colorado and the Carolinas, places like that. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I still remember the most from that trip is I had never rock climbed before. And so they have like a rock climbing wall there and I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of heights, but I'm not necessarily like super comfortable with heights either. And so I was like learning how to climb this rock wall. And like the first time I tried it, I probably tried for like a half an hour and just like failed. Like I, I, I was, I don't know if my technique was bad or I was like a gangly high school sophomore that was just kind of weak or what, but I was like so dejected because I was like, I'm a guy, like I should be able to make it up this wall, like stupid youth macho stuff. <laughs> um, and so that was like a really, that stuck with me for a while, but then the last day of camp, they kind of like opened it up and let people free climb. And so if you, were free, you had free time, you could go. And so I was like, I'm gonna do this again. And like after getting a couple pointers from like some of my friends and like the guys that were working the wall, uh, I made it up in like a few minutes And I was like so fired up. It was just like this cool opportunity to help me realize like I can do hard things. And that was like that's something that stuck with me now (laughs) into my 40s that I picked up at a Young Life high school camp. So as as a high schooler, I went to Castaway, which is in Minnesota, another camp called Crooked Creek, which is near Winter Park, Colorado. And uh, my final camp I went to in high school was called Sharp Top Cove, which is in like Northwest Georgia up in the Appalachian Mountains. But as a staff person or as a volunteer, I've been to several others. There's one in kind of Northern Michigan. It's in the main peninsula of Michigan, but up in the Northern part of it called Timberwolf. And then Windy Gap is another one in North Carolina up in the Appalachian Mountains. Those are the main ones I've been to. There's a camp here in Missouri that we go to every fall or winter called Clearwater Cove. Uh, it's down near Branson. So I've been to that one a lot because it's just so close. It's a four-hour drive. It's just great.
6: So we actually were supposed to go to Sharptop Cove um, in 2020, but we were robbed of that from COVID, mm. so we weren't able to go there. So how would you say that Young Life has been affected by this whole pandemic?
8: Yeah, it was rough. I mean, there was a lot, like everywhere in the world, there was lots of things that were canceled. So many, we had to cancel that trip, like you just mentioned. Uh, and then when we tried to get going again in that fall, it was really tough to know what was okay to do. I mean, we did a couple small, like outdoor gatherings, but it, I mean, it, it killed momentum a lot. And honestly, just made it really hard to connect. The point of Young Life is for, high school students to be connected with and feel like they have a place where they are, they belong and feel a part of something. And we just couldn't really have those meetings and gatherings or we didn't feel comfortable doing it. And so it was really tough. And I feel like there was almost like a couple grade levels of students that have kind of like missed out on a lot of opportunities because of how disruptive COVID was for all of them.
6: After I had Tom explain how the pandemic kind of affected Young Life I had him go into more detail about what future plans he now has for Young Life.
8: Yeah so we're really excited we have kicked off this semester we've had so we meet on Wednesday nights usually around 7 to 7 30 depending upon what the event is but we try to get it after practices and stuff like that and so we we have plans every Wednesday now through the kind of the beginning of December for the most part where we will do club which I talked about earlier but is A chance where we'll get together play some goofy games sing do some like karaoke type songs and hear a message from one of the leaders we're doing a new event this year called over the table where we get a local restaurant to either like provide a meal or give us a pretty good discount on a meal and so we invite any high school student that wants to come in and hang out have a meal share some intentional conversation over that meal sometimes when you're at home meals are like in passing right like mom and dad are getting home from work, you're getting ready to go do something and you barely see anybody and like get a chance to sit down and have a, a good quality meal with intentional conversation. And so we are, do. we just did that this past Wednesday. Then we have another gathering called campaigners, which is a little more low key where students come together and uh, we really dive into the Bible and sharing kind of what's going on in our lives and making connections with folks. And so those, those kind of are the big three events. We'll do some other fun things like we usually have like this pumpkin carving night later in October where we'll carve pumpkins and like give prizes out to the winning designs and have some like soups and chilies and stuff like that and then later in the this the first weekend in December we're going to take a fall trip to Clearwater Cove like we've uh, done in the past those are some of the things that we've got coming and we have an Instagram account or a group me that people can join into if they want to Uh, to kind of stay up to speed on what's coming up.
6: Next I had Tom give some advice to those who are even considering joining Young Life, have even thought about it, or who barely even know what it is.
8: I would say if you like people, (laughs) which most of us do, and you're looking for a place to be connected that is supportive, caring, and just kind of in general positive, then young life is a really great thing to come check out. It doesn't matter if you have grown up going to church or if you have never stepped foot in a church or know anything about religion or Christianity or anything. Like you could have no knowledge of that at all, and uh, young life is going to be like a really accepting place of people of all sorts of backgrounds. So I, I think, I mean, for me it was as a, you know as an awkward freshman going into high school. You'd think you'd go to a place where there's like a bunch of juniors and seniors and older kids there. And you'd feel like really dumb or like looked down on, but like, I never really felt that. And I, I think that we are cultivating that same type of environment here where, when we do Young Life in Park Hill, uh, to provide just like a really great place where you feel, you just feel good. You feel good being a part of what's going on. I would give a final thought to anybody that's thinking about coming. I would say like, Take the risk. Mm-hmm. It'll be worth it. Yeah. Well,
6: perfect. I think that's all I have. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah.
8: Check out our Instagram and send a message on there and somebody can give you what you need.
6: So, well, thank you so
0: much. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Young Life sounds like an amazing organization that a lot of students here at Lead might benefit from. If you are interested in joining us, you can follow us on my website. Thank you so much to all the students who provided sentence for this episode and but this is the very end. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you continue to do so in future episodes. Anne Marie out.